0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, coming up on this Wednesday edition, as the demands for effective action have grown louder over the disaster in East Palestine, Ohio, the Environmental Protection Agency has stepped in. Now, that has not stopped the bipartisan calls for Secretary Buttigieg to step down because of his inept response.
2: Do you wish you would have spoken out sooner?
0: Yes, I was uh, focused on just making sure that uh, our folks on the ground uh, were all set, but uh, could have spoken sooner about how strongly I felt uh, about this incident, and uh, that's a lesson learned for me.
1: Well, it's more than feelings. It takes action. But should we be surprised, or frankly, is this the product of the left's identity politics? We're going to talk about it. And is another Cold War heating up, not with Russia, but with China? I also had uh, an opportunity, to, because we're here in Munich, uh, as you know, focused primarily on Russia's ongoing right. aggression against Ukraine, uh, to share our uh, very real concerns about China's support
3: for Russia in that uh, in that war.
1: That was Secretary of State Anthony Blinken on NBC's Meet the Press. We'll talk with Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchett in just a moment. And Kansas Attorney General Chris Kobach is putting pharmacies that want to become abortion facilities by selling Mifeprestone on notice that such activity in Kansas is illegal. Well, in response, Walgreens has already said they will not sell the abortion drug in the state of Kansas. So will other states follow Kansas's lead? We're going to talk with the Attorney General of Kansas, Chris Kobach, a little bit later. And while many are prayerfully watching the spreading effect of the spiritual stirring at Asbury University in Kentucky, the Biden administration has announced an effort to roll back religious liberty protections on college and university campuses. Anyone surprised? FRC's Meg Kilgannon will join me a little later with the details on that disturbing story. A newly released study conducted by 12 researchers from esteemed universities from around the world suggests something that will probably take you by surprise. Here it is. Wearing masks did little to nothing to stop the spread of COVID. Yet, yet, we're supposed to trust those who force this on the public with more power.
0: It's also critical that governments maintain and strengthen surveillance and sequencing so that as the virus evolves, vaccines, therapeutics, and diagnostics can be evaluated
1: and updated quickly as needed. Well, they, need, they got a lot of updating to do, which they have not done. Maybe that's because they're focused on something else. Now, that was the Director General of the World Health Organization, Dr. Ted Gabriasis, earlier today. Now, he heads up the WHO, which is meeting next week in Geneva, to advance their global accord that would give them power, here, get this, to declare a pandemic and then regulate it, regulate the response of every member state, which includes the United States. We're going to talk about that with Dr. David Bell, senior scholar at Brownstone Institute, formerly with the World Health Organization. And we're also going to talk to Dr. Andrew Bostom, clinical trialist and associate professor of family medicine at Brown. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you, so be sure and check it out. Our word for today comes from Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. So how should a nation respond when judgment is looming overhead? Well, we should humble ourselves before God, not going through the religious motions, but truly having our hearts broken by the realization not of the coming punishment, but of our willful sin. And in verse 14, we find the hope based upon the character and nature of God. It says, who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind. Whether as individuals or collectively as a nation, if we return to God with all our heart, we'll experience his grace and mercy. To find out more about FRC's Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. As concerns grow in East Palestine, Ohio, regarding air, water, and soil safety, Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg finally acknowledged that he should have responded to the crisis sooner. The Environmental Protection Agency has since taken control of the disaster response and will now require the the rail company, Norfolk Southern, to clean up the contamination. But this raises the question, is this the result of the left's identity politics eclipsing basic competence? As mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Secretary Buttigieg was called pothole Pete because the roads were so bad. So President Biden puts him in in charge of transportation for the entire nation? Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Tim Burchett. He serves on the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the House Oversight and Accountability Committee. He represents the second congressional district of Tennessee. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Big fan of yours and the great work you all do on the station. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Boy, looking at your committees, you're going to be one busy guy in the 118th Congress. Yeah, a lot of people just have one committee.
4: Some have two. Um, it was then Speaker Kevin McCarthy called me and asked me if I'd serve on oversight, and I had not asked for it. I had not put in for it because it's really a a very good committee. I didn't figure it's the 435th most powerful member of Congress, I would be considered for that committee. But he uh, he saw something in me and and put me on there. So I'm I'm going to be very busy, but I I look
1: forward to it. Well, speaking of oversight, transportation is going to be doing some oversight as we see this uh, unfolding crisis continuing to unfold in East Palestine, Ohio. Your thoughts on the uh, the federal response to this disaster?
4: Well, it's a disaster in itself. There again, you have an administration that just checks a box. They don't put, I always say, put the best players in, coach. Personal life aside, this guy is a disaster. Um, we've We've seen this time and time again. I was a county mayor. You know, I did crazy things like pay down debt and and get the county out of everybody's business and was able to um, keep ta- lower taxes and actually give pay raises. So I know what it takes to be a mayor, but I'm not qualified to be Secretary of Transportation and there's no way in the world this guy is. You know, he's, um, he's a charade. Um, I met him, I know him. Um, I guess I like him as a person, but it's just all a charade. And the and case in point is when he would... Uh, have his security detail three Suburbans deep, I guess, and would stop a half a block outside of his office, and he would get his bicycle out and ride it in for all the reporters, and they would lap it up like Pavlov's dog. The national media would and say, "Oh, look at him! He's riding his bicycle. He's a friend of ours." You know, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that the, met, the left does. This messaging, and as of yet, their messaging has been pretty pitiful. You have a president who sent a hundred billion dollars to. Ukraine. Um, he won't even pay a visit to his own people. And we are this, these globalists have got to stop. We, we've got to get control of this thing. And it's it's just a complete nightmare. And blaming it on the Trump administration when they've had two years of untethered liberal Marxist policies and spending uh, is,
1: is falling on deaf ears. Well, Congressman, as a former county official, uh, you know, people care about things when they're closest to them. And yes. you know I, I, I was in the legislature in Louisiana, and you know the issues of uh, drainage, uh, you know with when, when these things that affect people where they live each and every day, uh, it matters. And transportation, obviously is something we've we've seen disaster after disaster uh, at in this administration, whether it's the airlines, whether it's the airports, now the the rail. So is this the result, though, of the left playing identity politics, where they just, as you said, check a box, they put somebody in it because it 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 reaches one of their constituencies, one of their left wing constituencies. Doesn't matter that the American public is going to suffer as a result of the incompetence. One hundred percent,
4: Tony. I think it's part of a bigger plan of gaining more control by allowing things like this to happen and they say oh look we need to step in the government needs to step in we need to control your transportation we need to control your housing we need to control your energy and all these things are happening right now in our country and and it's um it's it's continued to um it's just continued to do that and we we've got to put a stop to it
1: it's, so it's just it, beyond belief is this something that the transportation committee will be looking into
4: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Speaker McCarthy has said every committee will have an oversight facet to it, which is what we originally Congress really originally set out to do. And and currently, that's not what we're doing under Democrat leadership. But now it has changed since January. As they say, there's a new sheriff in town and his name is Kevin McCarthy, and he is keeping his word. To the
1: American he, people, he he, he is. Uh, in fact, I was texting with him about that this morning. Uh, again, going back to the committees you are on, you, you you have an impressive list of committees. The fact that you not only deal with domestic issues and government accountability and oversight, but foreign affairs issues. Uh, I, I want to go to this topic of: Are we looking at the development of a new Cold War with not with Russia this time, but Russia being a proxy for China?
4: Yes, sir. I heard you're in your preamble, and you're 100% on target, Tony. I, uh, this deal with Ukraine, the, the Chinese are watching. I had a breakfast with Secretary Pompeo, a group of us did, um, maybe six months ago. And he said, look, Tim, they know how many, um, many paper clips are going into your building. The Chinese are taking notes of all of this. They're watching our supply chain. They're watching how the political response to this thing. This balloon issue, the first one was a spy balloon. And now he's watching us shoot down party balloons with four hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars sidewinder missiles, and we're, we're and he's showing and he's also shown um, the uh, political ability of of Canada of all people being more aggressive. Who um, you know, I su- totally suspect the uh, the president of Canada wears wears skinny jeans and has a man bun, and this guy says shoot the dead gum balloon down, and before we do, and then you realize. That this president told General Milley to shoot that that gum balloon down. I'm sorry, I'm getting up worked up, but it's the truth. And he pushed back on it. And, well, that's and because allowed... he picked
1: up he picked up the hotline to China.
4: That, exactly. And this is the this is the general that, if you remember, in the final days of the Trump administration, I was in remember. secret negotiations with China, our enemy, our enemy, the people that want to destroy us. that, that created. The COVID virus that, that I, I caused said, death and destruction across the world, and this is and now this is the same dead general yes. who tells this president. You know, there's a reason George Washington and God bless our leaders. George Washington did a lot of things, but one thing he did I thought was really cool. He took his military uniform off when he would became president. That was not just a that was not just a, a thing of convenience. That was a symbol to this country that in fact a civilian will be in charge. Right of our military not not a not, not a not a king not a not a not a general but a civilian and that civilian was the president of the United States and we have a president of the United States whose cognitive level has dropped considerably and um, and we are in I, I tell people my friends in the church I say what can we do I say pray for your country and vote because 20 million so-called evangelical Christians Tony stayed home in these last elections and that's how Joe Biden is president of the United States, and we have nobody—we can say they stole it, but it, we gave a lot away yeah. to them, and we we've got to—we've got to we've get control of that.
1: You're absolutely right. We've got to flood the polls at every election with our, our folks and overwhelm any shenanigans that they're engaged in. But uh, we're up against a break, but I agree with you on the balloon and what's happening with China. When I saw that balloon, I said, I smell a Millie because you, that relationship Milly should not still be in his position given his own acknowledgement of his relationships with China behind the back of President Trump. Uh, Tim, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Look forward to having you on again real soon.
4: Thank you, brother, anytime. And thank
1: you for the great work y'all are doing. Appreciate it. All right. I tell you what, he does have a really impressive list of committees. We're going to have him on every day. He's got so many different subject matters to cover. Well, coming up, good news from Kansas, where Walgreens has confirmed it will not distribute harmful chemical abortion pills. We're going to be joined by the Attorney General of Kansas, Chris Cobot, next.
5: Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible.
6: Learn more at frc.org forward slash life.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Wednesday. All right, I've discussed this on the program many times. Both CVS and Walgreens have indicated they intend to join the abortion industry by distributing dangerous chemical abortion pills from their stores, essentially turning your neighborhood pharmacy into an abortion facility. But in some good news, Walgreens confirmed that they will not be selling these risky pills in stores in the state of Kansas or distribute them by mail in that state. Now, this announcement came in response to a letter from the Kansas Attorney General Chris Kobach informing the national pharmacy chain that such actions in his state were illegal. He's now asked CBS to do the same. Now, could this be a path forward for other states with pro-life leaders? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Kansas Attorney General Chris Kobach. General, good to see you again.
7: Great to be with you.
1: So it was just earlier this month that you wrote to Walgreens informing them that selling abortion pills uh, in Kansas is a federal crime. Um, were you surprised that they responded so quickly and positively?
7: You know, actually, I was. Uh, I thought perhaps they might dig their heels in or or take a very long time to give us an answer. But to Walgreens' credit, they evidently looked at the legal background and the and the statutes in question and decided that uh, the right move for them was to uh, fully comply with the law and to agree not to dispense within the state of Kansas. And so we are hoping that CDS reaches the same conclusion.
1: Now. I know in the last two years, under the Biden administration, the attorneys general of the states, the Republicans, have been really a a brick wall against some of the policies pushed by the Biden administration. Is this something you've discussed with some of your uh, counterparts in other states?
7: Yes, absolutely, and in fact, there is a twenty five state lawsuit um involved on this issue as well uh, or rather a um, you know contesting the by the administration's uh, interpretation of federal statute I shouldn't say a lawsuit but a, a, a letter um, and the other states are, are looking at this very same issue because as you mentioned federal law very clearly says that you shall not uh, pro- you shall not mail abortive fashions through the mail uh, using the US Postal Service and many state laws including Kansas's, Kansas there? and there are numerous other states say that a doctor has to be present uh, when any abortion procedure occurs and you know it's interesting the uh the left has been telling us for so long that they they want uh, abortion to be uh safe and legal uh and that's what these laws do these laws ensure that a doctor is present because these abortion pills cause multiple complications in some cases um but now that when they see the opportunity in the biden administration for this to be just distributed to people without any doctor being there uh they're more than happy to push for that so yes other states are looking at this as well and i'm hopeful that uh other states will you know, get a similar answer, answer from Walgreens.
1: So uh, let me ask you the question. If they were, let me give you a hypothetical just for the state of Kansas. I know it may be different in other states, but if a pharmacy went forward like a, a CBS, what type of legal action could you take?
7: So there are, are two possibilities. One is the federal law. The, the, normally, a federal criminal law is only enforceable by the U.S. Justice Department. Uh, But this particular law has a RICO provision, which is racketeering corrupt influence organizations. Uh, You know, you might say, well, what does this this have to do with RICO and mafia, which is what most people associate RICO with? In fact, there are a host of federal crimes that allow for RICO actions. And RICO actions can be brought by private individuals and they can be brought by states. And we pointed out in our letter to Walgreens is that that we would fully uh, intend to, move forward on that if there, if Walgreens started dispensing within the state of Kansas via mail uh, or th- through the stores directly to, to consumers. Um, then on top of that, you have various state laws, which typically are criminal laws.
1: So who would be the individual that would be subject to the criminal penalties here? Could this be the leadership, the executives of uh, these pharmacies that make the decision to sell these illegal drugs?
7: You know, that's an interesting question. Uh, if there it would depend of course on the on the circumstances but um if you're talking about a RICO action the, the RICO action seeks uh civil penalties and so it, it doesn't actually seek uh you know a criminal uh penalty on on anyone but the defendant has to pay treble damages which right. is extremely very high, call, extremely very costly great flight. penalty
0: yeah
1: What's what's interesting about the RICO is that, that has been used to get some pro lifers in years past uh, even, I think, from your own state of Kansas uh, in, in the past against uh, some involved in, in uh, trying to stop abortion out, outside of abortion clinics. Uh, it would be kind of interesting to see this used against those pharmacies, selling this into states that are pro-life states that are simply trying to protect the unborn.
7: You know, and it shows the wisdom of Congress in in putting these RICO uh, avenues in multiple federal statutes. You know, another one that many people may be unaware of is that some of our immigration laws uh, have RICO uh, penalties or or RICO actions tied into the statute, too, because Congress envisioned that there might be a day when you have a federal administration in the White House that doesn't want to enforce the law, that doesn't want to uh, prosecute the crime. And in those circumstances, then it's up to private individuals or states to bring a RICO action. And that's exactly what we are uh, anticipating may have to be done here. But thankfully, Walgreens. Vision.
1: But General Kobach, um, last question for you, though, as you see this kind of playing out. I mean, you've, you're out there. You've sent this letter. They've responded in a positive way. You're now reaching out to CVS. I mean, how I see this playing out, quite frankly, we could have half the states or more where selling these drugs would be illegal, and it would only be the states that have declared themselves to be pro-abortion states where selling these drugs in pharmacies would be legal.
7: Yeah, I think that is entirely possible. And as long as the federal government is not willing to enforce criminal penalties and enforce this federal criminal statute, that's where we are. And, you know, this this is one of the consequences of having an administration in D.C. in the White House that doesn't want to enforce some federal criminal laws. They're doing that in, in this context, in the abortion context, and of course they're doing it with regard to immigration and a
1: host of other issues. Well, it's also important, as it emphasizes the need to have men and women at every level of government, like yourself as the Attorney General of Kansas, that's willing to enforce the law when others will not. And so this is why we've got to be voting in every election and making sure that at every level of government, we have those that are not lawless, but rather they're willing to abide by the law and enforce the law. So, uh, General, I want to I want to thank you for coming on today. I want to thank you for your leadership on this. Always good to see you. Good
7: to see you, too. Thank you.
1: All right. Take care. All right. It's good news, and I do hope that we'll see uh, many other attorneys general take the same approach of uh, putting the pharmacies on notice. You want to, you want to go down this path with the Biden administration? It's going to cost you. All right, the Biden administration is looking to change education policy to make it easier for colleges to restrict religious activities on their campuses. Good to talk with Meg Kilgannon after the break. Don't go away. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. While many Americans are prayerfully watching the spiritual stirring on the campus of Asbury University, the Biden administration has announced that it will seek to reverse a rule established under President Trump that blocks federal funding from colleges and universities that limit the activities of religious groups on campus. The regulation titled Improving Free Inquiry, Transparency, and Accountability at Colleges and University enables the federal government to withhold grants from institutions that impose these restrictions on religious organizations. Hmm. Well, joining me now to discuss this, what's behind it, and what it will do is Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council, a former member of the Department of Education in the Trump administration. Meg, welcome back to the program.
9: Thanks, thanks for having me.
1: All right, tell us uh, about this rule. I mean, I just the timing of this seems very odd. I'm, I'm sure it probably wasn't planned this way. Maybe, maybe not. But the fact that we're seeing really the eyes of the nation focused on Asbury and now other college campuses. In fact, tomorrow the uh, collegiate uh, prayer uh, gathering that we'll have, uh, I think millions will be watching that tomorrow night because of the hunger, the spiritual hunger that's out there. So with that as the backdrop, the Trump, the Biden administration announcing they're going to scrap a rule by the Trump administration that was designed to protect religious organizations on campus. Tell us about it.
9: Right. Well, essentially what they're saying is if you have a problem that impacts your religious liberty as a student or a student group on a college campus, your recourse is to go to court. Don't go knocking on the door of the Federal Department of Education. Um, the 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 rule was to um, have uh, colleges that receive public institutions that receive money from the federal government. Um, if they had rules that um, infringed on religious groups, that they would have problems getting their grant funding. Um, this seems like the the kind of strings you want attached to money coming from the federal government. Um, usually, there's strings that we don't want attached, right? But um, certainly, public universities aren't religion-free zones, right? This is not a situation where you have no right to express your religious convictions because you're at a public university. Exactly quite the opposite is true. And we know that in, a, in an environment where so many, so many people are completely unchurched, unfortunately, in this country, um, campus ministries um, at, at college when, when um, young adults are out of their family home Maybe where their parents haven't gone to church and they just haven't been exposed to any sort of religious faith. Encountering the message of the gospel on a college campus is a very powerful experience and it is something that um, really the, the federal government should in no way impede. Um, faith groups and religious ministries from operating at any university, whether it is public or private.
1: I mean, but but the effect of this would be that, you know, the college campuses, they can basically do what they want now to religious groups and and they can go to court if they have the resources and the money. So it's kind of like the federal government is saying, look, uh, we'll provide trauma counseling, but we're not going to give you security to protect you from the attack. Which is, which is in effect, what the Trump rule was doing, saying, look, we're going to put those schools on notice. They cannot violate your First Amendment, or we're going to hold them accountable. Now they're saying you can seek redress through the courts. How many students have the the wherewithal to be able to go to court and get their rights protected?
9: Absolutely right. And college is four years, hopefully, right, <laughs> unless you're on the five-year plan. Or,
1: uh, or, like me, I was on the 10-year plan.
9: Right, right. So maybe you could have filed a religious claim in your first year and seen it through to the 10-year mark when it's finally adjudicated and it goes all the way to the Supreme Court. But for most college students, they're on campus for four years, and they don't have the ability to go to court. Yeah. Um, and, frankly, you shouldn't have to go to court. This shouldn't be a situation where we have to prove that we have the right to express... Right. Our religious beliefs.
1: The First Amendment. We shouldn't have to go to court to defend our our First Amendment right. It should be with us. And and those who want to take it from take it from us or suppress it, they should be the ones put on notice.
9: I mean, the fact that institutions of higher education have been complaining about this aspect of the rule is really part of the. It, the, it bothers me the most is that these universities are supposed to be a place where you can go and discuss ideas and learn new things and where essentially you shouldn't really be afraid of any idea uh, because we're here to learn and people can defend ideas. People can attack ideas. uh, That's the point, right? But when, when you're in an environment where they're not going to defend the rights of religious people to uh, talk about those ideas, this does have a chilling effect on everything else. Right. And, and so you're not going to have the kind of environment uh, of of uh, educational excellence that you would in an environment where you are protecting the rights of everybody, including and especially people of faith.
1: I'm going to get we're up against a break, but uh, a spokesman for the Department of Education, Paydor, uh, emphasized that the proposed rescission would not affect the DOE's dedication to protecting religious freedom.
9: Mm-hmm.
1: Your response
9: Well, uh, we'll see.
1: Okay. Meg Kilgannon, always good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. My prediction, they will not. Uh, This is the hostility we're seeing from the left toward religious freedom because it's a barrier to the power that they want over the minds and hearts of people, of students. It, it, it's it's in competition with them. All right. Uh, and by the way, my 10-year my plan was because I went at night. I didn't go to school full time. had to work. All right. Coming up next, a new study. This should not surprise you. A new study says the masks during COVID were of no effect. They did not help. We're going to talk about the World Health Organization and their grab for
8: power next. <music>
2: With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's stand to 67742.
6: Are you a university student? Do you know a university student? Specifically, one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further.
1: back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. Some action items, too. If you have not yet signed the petition in support of Jacob Kersey, the uh, police officer that was uh, dismissed or forced to resign for his uh, statements on his Facebook page regarding marriage, You can uh, sign that petition. We're going to be taking that to the mayor of Port Wentworth, Georgia, on March the 10th. Just text the name Jacob to 67742, and you can add your name to the thousands that are already on there. All right. I've discussed on the program multiple times the World Health Organization and its attempt to move forward with two agreements that would expand its power in future health emergencies and pandemics. Now, these agreements, if finalized, could fundamentally change the relationship between individuals, their country's government, and the WHO. They're seeking to give the World Health Organization authority that overrides both the freedoms of individuals and the sovereignty of nations. Now, this is being done, right? This is being done in, in the open, with full transparency, with the help of the Biden administration. So why is the legacy media ignoring all of this? I mean, this is quite significant. Joining me now to discuss this is Dr. David Bell. He is a public health physician who previously worked for the WHO, specializing in epidemic policy. He now is a senior scholar at the Brownstone Institute. Dr. Bell, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks, John. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, tell our viewers and listeners your background and experience with the WHO.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm a public health physician by background. I worked for about eight years within the WHO as a scientific officer and medical officer. Um, On infectious diseases, I was one of the the initial um, response to SARS when it came out of China and Vietnam, but mostly on malaria policy and diagnostics.
1: Uh, Are are we, are, are we right being concerned about this power grab by the WHO?
3: Uh, Yeah, we are very, this is a a big change. Uh, It's, it's an extension of what's happened over a couple of decades, but it's a big change in the role of the WHO and it's a very clear, the intent is very clear to take over a lot of national health policy and in a very restrictive way.
1: So as I understand what's being proposed, uh, that they're going to be um, moving forward for ratification, if you will, or adoption next week, it not only allows the WHO to declare these pandemics, but then to essentially take over the controls for the member states in terms of what their response will be. That includes... um, Lockdowns, masks, vaccines—I mean, all of the stuff that would be related to a pandemic. I, I, am I reading it correctly?
3: Uh, yeah, it is. Next week is just a committee meeting. There's there's two things in process. One is the international health regulations are being amended, and these have been around for a few decades, but they're amended in two thousand and five. And there's further amendments to these. They're going to be voted on at the World Health Assembly, which controls the WHO in May of this year. There's a second one, a treaty, which is probably going to be voted on at May of next year, so a year later. So, yeah, you're right. The the, the amendments are the main thing at the moment to, to the international health regulations. These all centralised authority, not just for pandemics, but any health emergency in the hands of direct, the Director General, who's a you know, a person who is essentially put there due to diplomatic maneuverings at the head of WHO. And the um, it, it, they also expand the definition of emergency to mean anything that he considers is potentially an emergency. So you don't even have to have people dying or um, a definite outbreak, there will be a large surveillance mechanism put in place. This will find any new virus any new variant and he will have the power to then declare an international emergency and take these powers the powers include much of what we've seen in during the sars outbreak so they include closing borders uh, controlling travel and down to even and it specifies forced, you know, medical requiring medical examinations requiring medication or injections so the, the, these are very major powers from a person essentially sitting in Geneva to impose on anyone around the world based on um, his own definition of what a potential emergency will be.
1: Yeah. given the lack of clarity on that definition, I mean, yeah. you could declare climate change as an emergency affecting the health of people, could you not?
3: You could, and it, there's a lot of emphasis on this one health um, approach within this. and you know one health used to be you know recognizing that some animal diseases spill into humans, but now it includes environment, climate change. Uh, you, could, you know it's even been discussed as we know within this country that racism is a public health emergency. So essentially anything that and the, the definitions are similarly broad within the uh, current version of the amendment. So, essentially, anything that the Director General thinks may impact on people's health.
1: Final question for you, Dr. Bell, and I do thank you for uh, joining us today. Can you give me some parallel of some other entity that has this much power?
3: Uh, Not really. I mean, the, the EU is going that way, the European Union on its power over European countries, perhaps. But these are not powers that the UN normally has, it's not powers that um, certainly that uh, have ever been seen in the health field. It's it's much greater powers than most national health authorities have over their own people. So this is extremely unusual.
1: Wow, alarming, alarming. Dr. Bell, thanks so much for uh, joining us very insightful. uh, We're going to be following back up with you. Thanks so much. Wow, you know, talking about global governance. I mean, this is precedent setting. Uh, you you start here where people have this sense of um, vulnerability, and they're looking for security, and so they they, secede, they cede rights, they give up freedoms in order to get this quote unquote protection. But then it moves elsewhere. Th- this will set a precedent for global governance. Very very alarming. We're gonna. We're going to be tracking this into next week. Uh, we're going to have some very specific action items. Mainly, it's going to be contacting a member of Congress uh, to tell them not to fund the WHO. The pre- they're doing an in run around the Senate, and we'll talk about that next week. But a lot of work to be done here. i, I got to move on uh, because I want to touch, uh, I want to hit this next subject. A new scientific review says there is no evidence that mask mandates had any impact on curbing the transmission of COVID-19. Now, this is what the CDC and who we're all about, but yet they want, us to, they, want us to give, they want us to give them more power over our lives when the studies are showing what they pursued didn't work. Now, this directly contradicts months of claims from the Center for the Disease Control. In, in April of 2020, their director, at the time, Dr. Robert Redfield, testified before Congress saying, face masks are the most important, powerful health tool we have wait for him to retract that. All right, joining me now to uh, to talk about this and more is an academic clinical trialist and epidemiologist Dr. Andrew Boston. Dr. Boston, welcome back to Washington watch. Thanks for having me on again, Tony. So uh, surprised by the uh, the results of this study?
0: No they they actually they actually confirm uh, exactly. Uh, what the randomized controlled trial data, so they're really just pooling together the randomized controlled trial data that have emerged about certainly community masking, but they even went into the issue of masking of of healthcare workers and comparing um, medical surgical masks to uh, higher quality N95 masks. But this literature on an individual basis uh, has been available for anyone to read uh, there have been some earlier uh, pooled analyses, particularly of the flu literature, since it was a, you know an older literature. This, the SARS-CoV-2 literature is newer. Um, and they're just basically aggregating existing randomized controlled trials. And remember, Tony, the, the only unbiased estimate we can get of an intervention, uh, you know, whether it's a complex intervention, uh, medical intervention, or a simple intervention like a barrier, like a mask, is through randomized controlled trials. And it doesn't matter what what these highly biased, poorly designed observational studies show. This is the gold standard that we use for evidence-based ed, uh, medicine. And in fact, the Cochrane Review is really at the pinnacle of this entire process, of the process of synthesizing particularly randomized controlled trial data. So when when they put their imprimatur on a study like this, it, it is about as definitive as you, as you can get, Tony. And to hear Ro- 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 rochelle Walensky get up in front of—I um, f- I forget exactly which hearing it was—but it was very recent. After the after the she was questioned, I think it was by a uh, congressman from Alabama. She she was qu- questioned about about this precisely the Cochrane review, and she jumped. Oh yes, I know that very well. Um, the the pr- The problem with it is is that um, we we uh, we 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 were we we didn't have equipoise. In other words. It, it, there, there wasn't a question about whether masks worked or not. We knew they worked you know and, and, and this this you have to understand this this turns the whole principle of equipoise on its head because equipoise is the situation that exists before randomized trials. when randomized right. trials are, de- are as definitive as this, there's no longer any equipoise. there's no longer any indecision you know and, and she just turns the whole concept on its head. it was it was stunning.
1: So the, the, these studies incorporated almost three hundred thousand people. So I mean, these are this is, these are there's a lot yeah. of folks involved right. in in this. Right. So uh, you may have heard part of the conversation I had with Dr. Bell about the WHO wanting more power to mandate what countries do when it comes to a pandemic, and and they were the ones, along with CDC, pushing this type of stuff. The vaccines, which we now have questions about, so. Why are we giving away our sovereignty and our power now that we have this evidence that shows they had the wrong policies in place and they wouldn't listen?
0: It's it's frightening, and, and Dr. Bell is an authority in 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 the sense that he 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 has hands-on experience working with the World Health Organization, and he can't really understand how things have gone awry. I, I think one of the one of the obvious um, one of the obvious reasons may be the the burgeoning influence of communist China. I mean, after all, uh, they seem to be directing WHO's uh, policy, which sort of lines up with with this kind of action. I mean, it, the, the, this this uh, the, the the so-called Chinese standard for hand, for handling SARS-CoV-2, which was an abysmal failure, um, is 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 what uh, you know now would be, I guess, promulgated through the WHO for all for all kinds of uh, infectious diseases and other situations. You know, and and of course, I'm sure the worst the worst restrictions China will be exempt from, just like like when it comes to climate change. You know, they they could pump out as much carbon as they want.
1: They'll be they're all about selling the mask and everything else because they they manufacture them and they're going to make a profit off of them. Do you expect to see anyone who was pushing this to say, oh, we were wrong, Uh, we shouldn't have done this?
0: I, I, you know, I, I hope against hope. Maybe I'm very naive. I actually thought that, that uh, Dr. Olenski might might have, you know, uh, uh, a a a mea culpa. Uh, but but she just sort of digging in her high heels. Uh, and and I don't I don't see I don't see any any of the rest of them uh, being any different. They, I mean, the New York Times. There, there was, and at least, it's just one of their editorialists, Brett Stevens. You know, he took a hiatus from I guess bashing you know Trump Republicans to, to, to weigh in on masking. Um, so but that is actually all kidding aside, that is that is that is a uh, that, that is quite a milestone that The Times was even willing to publish an op ed, which basically just echoed the findings from from the uh, Cochrane meta analysis.
1: So will these I mean, we're already seeing this in California where they're saying we were going to uh, put the mask back in place, the mask mandates do you see people taking this type of information and fighting these mandates from local jurisdictions
0: I, I think so i think so and i'm involved you know i'm i'm in a very very blue state here in rhode island and um uh parents have been fighting uh, uh a a mask mandate that went into place uh during you know it's been lifted since but but the case is still ongoing and there's going to be hopefully a very interesting settlement on on uh on monday of this week Uh, You know, either way, I think the parents will win based on what I understand of the settlement. And, um, you know, I I think if if a state like this can can have a grassroots movement that that opposes these these uh, really failed draconian policies with regard to masking, uh, then perhaps the sky's the limit.
1: Well, it's going to take more people standing up uh, and saying, no, we're not doing it. Science is on our side. You who follow science. Dr. Bostom, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Again, you know, all those who say, you know, they they worship at the feet of science. Oh, science, science. They wouldn't know science if it ran over them. Here's the science. Didn't work. So I'm going to, and as he mentioned, it was in the New York Times as well. Fox had a piece on it. Uh, You should probably print this off, put it in your pocket. I, I'm going to tell you if they pull those things out again, not doing it. In fact, we still have a pending lawsuit against the uh, airlines and their masks, just waiting if they bring it back. The, the uh, again, I go back to what I was talking about uh, during the whole pandemic. It was about control, about control, and that, and we're seeing that blatantly in the WHO, this massive power grab, and as I mentioned. The only way this is going to stop is to get the Republicans in the House to draw a line and say we're not funding the WHO. And that's going to that's going to come in the budget battle coming up. And we're going this is one of those areas you got to draw a line on because if not, the Biden administration is going to have their way using the back door to force this on the American people through the UN and the WHO. All right, out of time for today. Thanks so much for being with us. And let me remind you once again from the Apostle Paul when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.
0: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported.